Good morning. It's December 22nd. It is a bright morning in New York City as the days begin getting longer. And this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. On the front of today's times, after a week of extra bombing, the United States has somewhat relented and will stop obstructing the United Nations' efforts to bring humanitarian relief to Gaza. In the process, our diplomats negotiated the UN away from asking for a suspension of hostilities, requesting instead conditions for a sustainable cessation of hostilities, planning to plan to stop the killing. Right next to that, in the second column from the right, Gaza invasion hasn't snared October 7th plotters. Senior Hamas leaders evade hunt by Israel. As the story says, Israel's stated goal in the war is to destroy Hamas, the armed Palestinian group that rules Gaza and set off the war there by attacking Israel on October 7th. But despite a military campaign that has caused nearly 20,000 deaths in Gaza and reduced entire neighborhoods to rubble, Israel has yet to locate Hamas leader Yahya Sinwar and other senior Hamas figures considered key plotters of the attack 10 weeks ago. It is almost as if the retaliatory slaughter of tens of thousands of people in Gaza bears no defensible relationship to punishing the actual perpetrators of the October 7th attack, rescuing their hostages, or any other practical, tangible goals of justice or Israeli national security. Not yet in the paper, but online, the Times' visual investigations desk went looking for bomb crater evidence and photos, and concluded that Israel routinely used one of its biggest and most destructive bombs in areas it designated safe for civilians. Searching for the characteristic 40-foot craters that a 2,000-pound bomb would leave in the soil of Gaza, the reporters identified 208 impact sites, concluding that 2,000-pound bombs posed a pervasive threat to civilians seeking safety across South Gaza. The Washington Post, meanwhile, turned its investigative team onto the question of the Israeli assault on Al-Shifa Hospital, which the Israeli government claimed contained a major Hamas command post. The evidence presented by the Israeli government, the Post writes, falls short of showing that Hamas had been using the hospital as a command and control center, according to a Washington Post analysis of open-source visuals, satellite imagery, and all of the publicly released IDF materials. The Post's analysis shows... The rooms connected to the tunnel network discovered by IDF troops showed no immediate evidence of military use by Hamas. None of the five hospital buildings identified by an IDF spokesperson as direct sites of Hamas activity appeared to be connected to the tunnel network, and there is no evidence that the tunnels could be accessed from inside hospital wards. An IDF spokesperson told the Post that its evidence is extensive and irrefutable, and also that we cannot provide additional information to back up the original claims. The eruption of the Icelandic volcano has subsided, and now the Times reports Icelandic officials are trying to discourage people from trekking across the rugged, snowy fields of newly formed lava to try to get a closer look. It can be assumed that it will take an experienced hiker about four to five hours to walk this route, which is not for everyone, a police statement said. In southwestern Iceland, the Times continues, there were about four hours of daylight on Thursday. Rudy Giuliani filed for bankruptcy yesterday as the $148 million in damages he now owes for defaming Georgia election workers landed on top of $4.7 million in other debts he's carrying, including the Times reports more than $700,000 in back federal taxes and almost $300,000 in delinquent state taxes, plus $1.3 million to his criminal defense law firm and $387,000 to the law firm that handled his disbarment proceedings. The bankruptcy the Times reports will not get him out of owing the $148 million, because those damages are considered an intentional tort, lawyers said. And the entirety of page A15 is taken up with the ongoing effort to force out Harvard's president, 
Having failed to make the case that she's an anti-Semite, right-wing activist Chris Rufo and his network are now digging into plagiarism charges about her previous academic work. The story notes that Harvard has a more forgiving standard for infractions by faculty than for infractions by students, although to my close secondhand knowledge, the student standards don't necessarily apply if you're an important enough athlete. But the Times is going to keep banging where Chris Rufo tells it to bang, because it would not be objective journalism to ask how important or proportionate this particular crusade is in the grand scheme of things. That is the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going. Have a joyful and relaxing holiday weekend, and we will talk again, if all goes well, on Boxing Day or the day after, depending on how all the festivities go. Enjoy your time off.